Hello and welcome back to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Bronike, and today we're back with the Guys Like Us summer series focused on leadership, so stay tuned. Welcome back everyone to the Guys Like Us podcast and thank you for tuning in today. If you're a new listener, welcome. What an exciting time to join. We are in the midst of our Guys Like Us summer series, which are topical based discussions that we have on relevant topics uh, with a lot of questions and prompts that navigate and guide our conversation. If you are a long time listener, thank you for your continued support. It means so much. Before we jump into the podcast, if you're a longtime listener and if you would like to support this podcast, if you're finding this content of interest and of value for you, a few ways you can you can support is by donating online, www.theguyslikeus.com, or leaving a rating and review on iTunes, or screenshotting um, this podcast and then sharing it with some of your closest friends. Thank you so much, and here is my conversation on leadership. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and we are back for another episode of the Guys Like Us Summer Series. I'm joined again with Andrew Cologne. Andrew, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me once again. Yes, sir. And so now we are, uh, if you're tuning in from uh, via podcast, welcome. If you're on YouTube, welcome. You, you can see that we are now standing. Um, hey. We are in our full preacher mode. So um, not really sure what to do with our hands, <laughs> but they'll, they will be here in the air Fantastic. floating. Floating, yes. Um, so today's topic, um, as we've been working through uh, some different topics this summer, we're going to shift into leadership mm. for uh, for today. And so we have a few books uh, that we're going to reference, and then kind of we'll be, I guess, launch pads or kind of platforms for us to kind of bounce some ideas off. And so these are Canoeing the Mountains, Christian Leadership in Uncharted Territory by Todd Bolsinger. Um, we have John Maxwell's The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, mm. and then a few books that I'll be referencing, um, Reflections on Christian Leadership by Henry Nouwen, and then Along Obedience in the Same Direction, Discipleship in an Instant Society by Eugene Peterson. Mm. Um, but the, the first two are the ones that we're really going to reference and will be kind of our, uh, will kind of help set the stage in the context for today. So um, we have different experiences, I know, uh, ourselves with leadership and we, this is by no means going to be in a, a, an all-encompassing leadership podcast or episode. There are, full, there are full podcast books and so much dedicated uh, toward this, but hopefully we can, we can help serve mm-hmm. as um, just a touch point that get people thinking uh, and maybe thinking in a new way um, that they haven't before through this form of, of dialogue and content. Mm. And so to start, just want to hear what your experience has been as a leader. What does leadership, what has leadership meant for you? Mm. Yeah, leadership is, takes so many different shapes and forms and different moments of life and different things like that. But I think my experience has been, so again, particularly uh, served as a youth and young adult pastor at a church, helped out at a church plant. Mm. Um, right now serving as a project manager in uh, our network, overseeing 185 churches and things like that, and helping out at our church, beginning to lead our small groups. Um, it's been so different, so unique, yeah. man. It's it's yeah. so weird, the things yeah. that you get to do as a leader, 
And at the same time, some of the things you have to do as a leader. So mm. I think there's that bittersweetness about it that it's like, hey, mm. I've been privileged to be in a place to do something, to, to watch mm. something, create something, craft something, and bring people to a place. Um, but mm. knowing, as we see in the Bible, that comes with grumbling sometimes. It comes with seeing things that other people don't see yet and having mm. to make that a reality and stuff like that. So I would mm -hmm. say... There's days where I love it, man. It's an honor. It's a mm -hmm. blessing to lead. And there's other days where you wake up and you're like, man, I, people are counting on me to get this right. Mm -hmm. And people are counting mm -hmm. on me to do this thing. And so I would say it's a bittersweet, man, but mostly sweet, I should say. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I think it's, yeah, so you've kind of had these different roles and have seen leadership, um, you know, for five years as a youth pastor kind of being in one position where you're, you know, I guess underneath a head pastor and are leading mm. this, this this young congregation, but then also now stepping into more of like kind of an equipping role, I would almost mm. say, right? I mean, I think it's all equipping, but I feel like there's, a, there's a, again, a little bit of a difference from the role that you're in now mm. um, and then potentially for the for the future of, of church planning and getting people yes. up and off the ground. It's a, it's a different type of leadership engine mm. kind of moving. Yeah. Um, and so really exciting. And then I think for myself, yeah, it's been, so the guys like us, uh, we lead a, uh, a Bible study and just are, so I, that type of leadership in mm. helping guys grow in their faith and um, through Bible study and through diff different small groups. So that mm. type of capacity, um, but then also outside of this podcast, um, do a lot of coaching. And mm. I see that as a form of leadership as well. And sure. so I think, I think one way and this will kind of transition into our into the next question of kind of how we broadly define leadership mm. um and i think this is for me this has always been like a question mark of like okay you're a leader <laughs> but like what does that actually mean but like you're you? a leader <laughs> yeah and it's like well can you be a leader in do you have to be some multinational corporation leader mm. to be a leader can you can you lead in your house can you lead in your community Facts. can you lead as a coach and mm. so i think there's a lot of different ways to think about this but what how would you how would you define yeah leadership? that's a hard question but yeah. I think it needs a succinct answer right because if not then um, yeah. so I think le leadership is you know I'm going to talk about it in Christian terms that's what that's what my wheelhouse is and what I believe right it's I think it's listening to where God is calling us to go and equip people to get to that place uh, and that looks like I think exactly you're hitting on it like it's in so many different facets of our life we're called to lead no matter if we're a pastor or whatever it doesn't matter like you're still right. called to lead in some capacity if you if you have influence in any area, you're a leader, and mm. everyone has influence. Mm. And so it's leveraging your influence for the sake of getting people to where you believe God is calling them to go. Mm -hmm. And so my family looks one way, sure. my church looks one way, my job looks one mm. way, with the people I'm discipling and my friends it looks one way. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, but I think that's, so it requires listening, it requires a heavy amount of imagination and creativity to say, this might be it, and this is what it could look like, and doing that and at the same time, that daily grind of the steps to get us to that place. So yeah, man, I would say leadership is seeing where God's calling us to go and bringing mm -hmm. people along for the ride kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Totally. Broadly totally. speaking. Broadly speaking, yes, yes. Um, and so yeah, I mean, I have, when I when I look on just, you know, online, I have a classic definition that says mm. guiding mm. an individual team or organization. And I think guiding mm. um, also can kind of go hand in hand with navigating. And this is a word that mm. I think is particularly drawn out in Canoeing the Mountains mm. of this navigating. He looks at the Lewis and, Lewis and Clark as kind of expanding yes. new territory. Um, and so, yes. And so I think there's also kind of a, you, you had mentioned discipleship kind of, and I've 
start to think about discipleship as a part of leadership mm. in, in the sense that if, if we are leading and people are following our leadership, the goal is to then hopefully let them step into new leadership positions and push them forward so that they can then go out and either start start a new church, start a new mm. ministry, start something new where they are can then they have learned they've been apprenticed mm. under a leader and now go out. How would you kind of think about the those the, the discipleship and leadership, I guess, both together or maybe yeah. some, some, some jumping off points as well? I think I, I had this clarity in my head when I first started in ministry. I said like I'm my, if I do this thing right, I should constantly be working myself out of a job. Right, like I should be discipling mm. people so well that they don't need me anymore, or they need me for different things that they needed me when they when we started this mm. conversation. And so I think like leadership and discipleship, it's again mm. kind of that idea of taking people to where they go. It's um, mm. by God's grace, I've been privileged privileged to experience God in this particular way and to know God with this particular depth and have this this kind of relationship so far. And being that it's something of value, and being that I think that's what God has called me to do. Mm. How do I get people that same desired outcome, that same end? And so, yeah, man, I think discipleship is leadership, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. taking someone to a place they haven't gone yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and nav- and it's the cool thing about it, too, is navigating. Every every person is discipled and led differently. Mm-hmm. And so kind of going with what Todd Bolson said, like, it's adaptive. It's figuring out, like, hey, mm-hmm. this person isn't going to be reached by my great sermons that I preach on Sunday. It's just not, that's not going to mm-hmm. speak most aloud. It's not going to resonate yeah. with their spirit yeah. the best. And so how do I find a way? Because everyone deserves to be discipled. Right. Um, right. And so how do I adapt to where they're coming from? How do I think it through on their level? Um, and so, yeah, man, I think to, to disciple someone is to answer the call to leadership and to realize when Jesus made that great commission in Matthew 28, bro, everyone is called to leadership. Everyone's called yeah. in some capacity to do it. And so figuring out, like, how do I do it the best? And how do I do it in my context with my personality and who God has made me to be? Um and yeah, so it's answering a call. I guess we all got that call. We got to answer it. It's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that point of adaptive leadership too. And I'm thinking mm. about um, right, like, and I often think we you see that Jesus interacts with people differently depending mm. on their circumstance, depending on what that need maybe that that need is at that moment. Um, and so, I, and I think there's kind of this toggling between. Sometimes Jesus will will like touch people directly or heal people directly. And I can, you can see this kind of from a, a leadership angle as well. Mm. And other times people go out and just, and just like, and come to him. Right. And so mm. I think that same type of in and out of seeking, but also like letting, like letting yourself be poured in, mm. um, I think is important. And so like there, and I think of there are people who have kind of led me and I haven't really given anything back to them or mm-hmm. right or like they, they've kind of led me and there's other people who i've led and they haven't maybe fully seen mm-hmm. what i've kind of i guess deposited into that person and so there's a lot of these type of like relationships that some of them might be one way mm-hmm. at one at one capacity but others might be two way and so i think mm-hmm. there's a lot of different ways of how yeah. we can think through that mm-hmm. um so the john maxwell's uh has a bunch of different laws there's 21 <laughs> And so we're not going to go through all those. I ha- there's a handful that I, I like to kind mm. of set as a, we can kind of walk through a little bit and then we can kind of integrate some of the the, the, mm. the content that we've been seeing through some of the these other books into those. Um, and so the first one is law of process. Mm. Um, and so when I think of law of process, um, this is one of the, one of the, the initial ones in, in the book. 
and immediately what came to mind is some is playing something for the long game mm. and so seeing leadership as something that is not just like a a one quick fix um you know you you say something or you do something you preach something and then they've been led but rather that there is this kind of this side by side hand by hand mm. walking with somebody and helping them navigate to then at one point then they kind of make that step make that jump yeah. into that next next space what what does love process look like in leadership yeah i mean that reality of i think expecting it to happen in the short term there's going to be those short term moments right there's going to be that one beautiful random moment that happens where it's like wow this finally clicked in my head we've all had those right mm-hmm. i was at this particular space this yeah. altar this conference this conversation with someone it clicked but the reality is like mm-hmm. most of those moments have a thousand one another moments that lead up to that particular setup okay. um yeah. i think of le- the law of process as leadership is a game of chess not checkers right it's the long term it's visioning mm-hmm. now i often say with people like i try and do the things that no one else does so I can get to do the things that no one else does later on, right? Like in the short term, I'm going to hustle hard. I'm going to make mm-hmm. these moves. I'm going to commit to people in the everyday moment. And so when right. that big moment of change comes, this thousand one of those steps that we took to get here is already set. We've got mm-hmm. the relationship to make that kind of change happen. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's a process, man. It takes time. And I think for leaders, we've got to commit to the long term. Um, mm-hmm. We live in a very fast-paced society that says it's going to happen really quick and really fast. And to say, like, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna commit to be with you for the long term. Yeah. I'm going to commit to change this community for the long term. And it's going to take 101 steps to get there. But that's okay because it's those little moments that you begin to see God moving. Um, and so I think for us, too, like, the process means we've got to adjust our expectations to what it looks like. I don't know about you. In my, in my journal, I'll celebrate the fact that one of my friends made a small decision towards Jesus today. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to look like something. Oh, my gosh. They emptied out their bank account and donated it to the poor. No, it's, hey. My friend gave five minutes to answer a call right. at this difficult moment. That's all, you know what I mean? So I think it's beginning to adjust the expectation to be a process-driven thing. And that way you don't get tired too, man. When it takes a year to help someone transform their life, you don't get upset that it didn't happen overnight because you've already said, hey, I'm here for the long haul, baby, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a ride, but I'm here for you. Um, so yeah, process, man. It's, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, completely. And, and I think about the, Eugene Peterson's book, Long Obedience in the Same Direction, mm. kind of hits on that as... Um, as well and I think one component of that is I, I've been speaking on this and I think it's so invaluable because it's been sorry it's it's really valuable because it's been invaluable to me mm. in the value of having somebody that can lead you and so seeking out others as you know whether it's an official mentor or just like mm. you can I think that there's direct people who you'll have co- contact with and or then there's indirect people who are pouring into you maybe that you might not know as personally, mm. but you're kind of valuing what they're what they're pushing out. Yeah. Right. Mm. And so I think about you know like I think for example this would be an, an indirect form of leadership of like even leading of like reading this book right here because mm. I'm reading it. There's some information. How can I apply this? And then there's mm. a little bit more of a direct leadership, which is like somebody who you're maybe was in your local with. church or mm. you're walking with. Um, yeah. who's able to kind of process things out with you too. And there's that more of that dialogue and that communication. Yeah. And, and when I think through like, where do you get the most value? Again, as a leader, I think about like, I've got to speak at conferences before, right? And it's a cool moment where you get to impact the life of a couple thousand people in one shot. And that's a cool thing, right? You get to see the yeah. transformation. But like, I think of what has filled my journal with more moments. What has filled my joy, mm. my relationship with God with more? It's been the day-to-day walk mm. alongside somebody. Mm. 
Um, and so I think beginning to get to a place where you value it differently, right? Like that reality of like, oh man, this yeah. it never was about the big one-off transformation moment. Like no one's ever shaped and formed in those moments. It's like, right. it's choosing to go the long haul, which is really cool. Um, yeah. And if we tune ourselves that way, man, you get to see beauty every day instead of the twice a year that you go to a conference, I'm crazy, you know? Yeah, totally, totally. And I think there's a, on page 160 in Lago Media, it's in the same direction. It says, if we're going to live adequately and maturely as people of God, we need more data to work from than mm-hmm. our own experience can give us. Wow. And so that, that, I think that that posture mm-hmm. of, of, of humility of those who have gone before you or, you know, those who are operating in just a different mm-hmm. lane than yourself allows you to then pull in some data points um, yeah. outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so a lot of navigation is we're going to go next. And this kind of fits in timely with Canoeing the Mountains as well. Um, and so one, one thing that is mentioned in the law of navigation is understanding your current reality and then looking into where you're going to go. And so that mm. there's this, uh, Maxwell references the Stockdale paradox from Jim Collins in Good to Great. Mm. You must retain faith that you will prevail in the end, and you must also confront the brutal facts of your current reality. Mm. Um, and so I guess my question is, what type of reorientation um, do we need for the future of Christian leadership today? Um, and so like understanding what the, what the facts are right now and mm. how that's then going to change what our vision is going to look like, or rather how we're going to go about that longer vision. Yeah, he um, in Todd Bolsinger's book, he says something at one point where what got us to where we are now is not going to get us to where we need to go next. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's one that's that brutal confrontation with the facts. It's not shaming, it's not hiding away from them, and just right. having an honest moment right. like, hey, we're not as great as we thought we were. Yeah. <laughs> we're not yeah. doing as good of a job as sticking to the mission as we said we were. So yeah. I think it's that first moment of clarity of saying, hey, we're lost. Um, yeah. Which is honest, man. It's brutal. It's humbling to say like, hey... I spent three years of seminary and three years of Bible school training to think of it in this way. Yeah. And not that that time is wasted, but I'm not where I thought I was going to be. This yeah. doesn't look like what I prepared for, and so I've got to adapt. Um, there's another story that comes yeah. out of 1806. The first guys who went to explore the South Pole, I think it was something, Commander Cook and whatnot. Right. They got there expecting... Um, or they planned to be able to go by boat and it didn't happen, similar to the Canoeing the Mountains, and they all died out there. And it took another gang that had a different map, or no, sorry, they thought there was a channel that went through the ice to the center of the Arctic Circle. They didn't find any channels, they died out there. Hmm. Um, finding out we're not where we thought we were and making that, so I think that first step is the honest appraisal of I'm not where, I'm, where I think I am. Mm-hmm. And what I have now is not gonna get me to where we need to go. Whatever that means, if it means saying, I'm not the guy to get us there, or mm. my way of doing is not the way of doing. Um, mm. Mm. Yeah, so I think navigating begins with that step of that honest appraisal, of like, I'm lost and admitting it. And we know sometimes we're not good at admitting that. Like, I'm the last one, man. Before GPS came out, I wasn't asking uh, nobody for directions. Um, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, and I, I guess, so what are some of, like, the, like, some of the biggest, I guess, indicators or maybe some like, warn- I, I don't even want to say warning signs because it sounds like it's peril and doom. <laughs> but like, yeah, but it's like, okay, what are, what are some of the, what's some of the reality? And you, I think you mentioned like, if I am the person or it, it like what, what my skills, what my talents are, is that going to lead us to this next place? Mm. Right. Or is there somebody who actually might be well, more well equipped to take us into this, into this new space? So I think that's one is kind of mm. the, the personnel 
type of from a leadership capacity, right? Yeah. Am I, and so we'll kind of talk about some. We'll mm. get into what like makes a good leader. Maybe some some I guess attributes of mm. of a good leader. Um, but is there anything else um, that is kind of that you know? What, I guess why why was Kindred Mountains even like written? What are some of these big things that we're seeing in culture that are causing us to reevaluate our path forward? So you meant you had mentioned. Um, sometimes what we're trained to do is the, the world is changing so fast and sometimes we're either not catching up mm-hmm. or we're trying to, to do things a way that we've, um, we're, you know, we're stuck in an old system. He mm-hmm. mentions here, um, adaptation. So when you're conceptually stuck, systems cannot, cannot become unstuck simply by trying harder. Mm-hmm. And so there's a need for adaptation. Hmm. Um, I guess what are some of the this conceptually stuck systems or just the things that kind of contribute to a system that we're um, we're stuck in? Yeah. So kind of going to that yeah. that appraisal moment, like I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I think you can only judge that if your target of where you're supposed to be is right, or if you have any guess at what that should be, right? Like right. Uh, if I'm supposed to go to the Dunkin' Donuts down the street, only when I know the Dunkin' Donuts down the street can I realize that I'm not where I'm supposed to be now. Um, and so I think right. mission drift may be a big part of this. Like when we begin yeah. to realize we've drifted from the mission, mm. we're not accomplishing the mission, you know, and for us as Christians, Matthew 28, making disciples of everyone, it's, that's it, man. That's the big mission um, or the, the most core part of what that looks right. like. Right. And so when we, when we can have that honest moment and say, hey, I haven't brought anybody closer to Jesus in a while. And... I mean, as hard as that is to say out loud, right? That reality of like, I haven't done this part well. If that's what God left me to do and I haven't done that well, something's got to change no matter what the cost is. Um, and so I think, but having that core conviction. So he says this, um, right. going in the book, he says, uh, mission statement is like the commander's intent in the military. It tells anyone who needs to make a decision, the purpose, goal, and desired end state that the church is committed to achieving. It's not a motto or a marketing statement. It's not a wish or a vision. It's more than an expedient target or an idealistic dream. It's clear purpose and reason for being. It comes out of core values and summarizes the core ideology Mm. of the church. Mm. And so I think, right, when we begin to realize that we've drifted from that particular component, we, we may have been making decisions for years that served other things. Like, hey, we just didn't want to make that person upset, and so we let this particular thing go. Or, um... As things shifted, this seemed like a cool way of doing this particular thing. And again, it may work for a season. So I would say going back to your initial question, yeah. having the vision statement or the, the mission correct, getting back on mission when you realize things aren't accomplishing that mission, you know something's up. Um, and then the second thing, when you can go back and kind of sift through something you've been doing that's been taking a lot of your energy, and you uh, it's almost like you reverse engineer the decision making that got you to that process. And if you realize it wasn't made out of a decision to further the mission, something's off. Or if you look mm. at it and say, this is no longer accomplishing the mission like it mm. did back when, mm. which is scary because you know what I mean? It may mean something that you invested blood, sweat, and tears, and you've got to let that baby die because it's not mm. doing the job anymore. Um, and it sounds so utilitarian and messed up, but in reality, mm. it's it's something we've got to do, right? Like if it's in, And it's not necessarily always talking just about outdated things like, oh, it's just not on trend anymore something that may just literally not even be making sense in the place that we are now which is pretty crazy um hopefully that makes sense man 
Yeah, no, I, I think I think it's it's good because there's a lot of different jumping off points that I can and then I can go from there. And I think one thing is reor kind of priorities, and we'll get to this a little mm. bit later too. Um, but like, I mean, I I, had, I didn't grow up in a and I grew up fairly unchurched and like didn't and just so I didn't have like you know I wasn't a pastor's kid or like I wasn't mm. you, in the weeds kind of of what was going on behind behind the scenes. And I know mm. that. From talking to some people, it's like some of this, some some silly decisions or some silly things that people are like s- complaining about. It's like you know, like the 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 color of like the rug sense. or something like that. And it's like you're spending so much time over this, yes. and it's like, is that you know, if we're spending all of our energy talking about this, like mm-hmm. yes, like these things are important, but like if we're spending all of our energy on this, what are we missing at the same time? Um, it's huge, man. And so I think small things like, or I mean, you know, small things that can lead to big things. We talk about how small things then can lead to big moments. Mm. Um, of transformation and so I think that's one and I think the other when I think about navigation is so growing up here I mean we're in New England Northeast and I think a lot of cities now are getting it I don't have all the data behind this but Mm. I think there is some general general consensus that there's a lot of places that are post-Christian and so people who are you know they they've they've heard they've heard the message or they've heard about the message but they're not interested in the way that it's been presented mm. or the way that maybe p- possibly from their experience of it. And so meeting people in different places and coming from different points of, I guess, of entry mm. is going to meet, be maybe a reorganization to deal with the current facts mm. of this. And um, especially for, you know, especially younger people, Gen Z, millennials who mm. are... Um, think have an increasing suspicion of what uh, of a lot of I guess some some historical positions mm. or like some historical trends of what Christianity has done mm. how it, is, is it even relevant for my life anymore mm. um, wow. you know yeah. and so some some big things that are you know that are important that we think about okay as I'm doing ministry now in the 21st century what does this look like given the people that I'm going to be raising up and will then mm. be the biggest administers of of the gospel yeah, when I'm to, to their family? Correct, correct, right? Yeah. So these young people who are coming up, and it's not to say that uh, people who have been in the church for some time now aren't incredibly viable because that's mm. so needed. And that, this goes back to what we were saying of like yeah. the importance of this experience and this knowledge mm. that can pour in, hey, you've weathered some some storms Teach us. teach us like we are we are mm. we are here to learn and i think that and again that is is missing a lot mm. from people and it's this i kind of look at it going all the way back to the enlightenment and like this turn of like everything's about myself right mm. and obviously like individualism is is incredibly important and is the way because god has god created us individually with with, mm. with purposes and and uh, desires and kingdom vision in mind but um if that if we if we use it as an excuse or if we're comp- constantly focused on in on ourselves, mm. um then we're not going to have the same impact that we can have um mm. toward others around us yeah and i think that takes a skill set right like a practice way of just putting yourself in an uncomfortable place to say yeah. hey i think when i was 16 my dad dropped me off in washington dc with a water bottle 20 bucks before cell phones and he said, hey, I'll meet you on the steps of the Capitol in eight hours. He had a meeting for his job. And he was like, I'll meet you on the steps in eight hours. And I was like, huh? Yeah. But it was crazy. This moment of I figured out how to use the map. I, 
I figured out, I mean, I saw every single thing in Washington that I wanted to see, but it put me into getting used to this uncomfortable place. Fast forward to a couple years now, leading mission trips and things like that. People ask me questions before we go. Hey, Pastor Andrew, um, what, what's the hotel going to be like? I can't, I've never been to Panama. I can't tell you what it right. looks like, but you have to trust me to get you there. And at the right. same time, um, getting used to that discomfort of not knowing and getting mm-hmm. used to walking in and, and kind of sensing what's there and walking through that. It's an acquired skill, you know what I mean? Like if, if you get good with the awkward, good with the uncomfortable, good with the cumbersome, when your moment does come to walk in that space and say, all right, I've never been to this moment, but I'm gonna grasp from this person who's been here, I'm gonna take a look at what's in front of me and begin take, you know, you know how to just grasp the mm-hmm. tools that are right in front of you. Then you become effective in those kind of spaces where it's literally, it's just navigating, it's trailblazing mm-hmm. where you haven't done before. Um, mm-hmm. But I think like what you said, like talking about older generations and stuff, like you've gotta begin putting together a toolkit that you can access anywhere you go, right? So like I know mm. when I move into this particular arena, mm. if I go to this particular church, I can ask some of the older folks what the trajectory of the church was when mm. I brought them to the space. I can ask some of the young people, hey, what's the disconnect for you? What, what really energizes you when you come to church? What gets you on fire in your relationship with Jesus? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that in any moment that you find yourself in, whether it be a non-church place, a church place, as people, you know, you can begin to ask the kind of questions to look for the specific things that help you get right. to where you're going. Right. That's, I think, like navigation. That's like, hey... Um, hmm. that's Lewis and Clark man they got to the Missouri and they said yeah. hey we're not here but we know we've got to keep going forward and, and sure. Uh, sure. whatever it takes us there gets us yeah. there so. yeah totally and I think this is one of the things is what goes into um, this goes back to this element of trust mm. this is a lot of solid ground and so mm. Bolsinger says demonstrated character care and constancy um, and just in general, relational congruence. So being mm. the same person regardless of situation. Mm. And so I'm kind of, I think that there is, there's a core foundation I think that we all have. And again, I think that we we respond differently in different situations, but there is this, this there's this deep foundation that we all have of what makes someone a good leader, right? Mm. Regardless of where of where you are. And so I think this is one point that he's mm. hitting on too of, the, of character, care, and constancy. Um, law of solid ground, yeah. How? Mm. So I think for me, like when I look at some some leaders, or when I was younger. So let's kind of look back. Like when I was younger, and you'd see these people that were, you know, kind of had these big, 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 a lot of influence, right? We mm. mentioned leadership is kind of connected to influence. Had these positions of influence. They were leading uh, a people or a group. And it was so appealing and attracting. But then, like, as I got older, I kind of learned a little bit more about their character and mm. about the consistency over time. And you, I started to lose maybe the same interest or the same allure mm. that I had before with them as a leader, um, knowing kind of the direction that they were going. Mm. And so I think it's such an important thing that I think we have lost the, the, the I guess we've lost the, the salt to now mm. of character how mm. is how character but also again care and constancy yeah going back to that discipleship as a long-term process right it's those little moments that build um and i tell people when, you, when you're training for something right like uh uh in the military they spend a thousand and one hours on the rifle ground practicing with their with their guns and whatnot so in the moment that it needs to happen god forbid or whatever like they're trained and ready to do it so that we don't sorry maybe say this we don't default to our dreams we default to our character 
we default to who we train to be in the dark when mm. no one's looking. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so thinking through it in those terms, right? Like who you are in the little moment will only give you ground to speak in the right moment. Um, hmm. So I'll give you a personal story that was really cool. That really, um, I first became a youth pastor at the church. I'm helping out. One of my first things I had to do is take a group of like 30 teenagers to Ohio on a trip and whatnot. Yeah. And um, I love my leaders, man, who are helping out in the youth ministry. I want to show them that I care. And yeah. so I go, I go around the table and I clean up all their plates as we're eating our dinner. Yeah. Um, and one of the youth leaders said that was the moment they knew I was a real deal. And I was like, what? And they're like, it was hmm. me watching you serve in that capacity. You were willing to take the garbage off of our plates. Let me know that your heart was in the right space. Yeah. And because of it, she opened up and shared one of the craziest things that was going on in her world wow. and allowed me and my family to come along for the ride to this point that they're still like family to us today. Yeah. It was one moment of something that it was just God willing, a reflection of my character, or something that's intrinsic right. to who we are that doesn't sure. really get big praise. It's like, okay, yeah, the dude picked up my trash. But it shows, right, something deeper that's going on. And yeah. so I think, right, that consistency of being who you are, um, if you don't surprise someone, if they know you're going to be who you're going to be in the same way, um, mm-hmm. it helps them to trust you for the long term, especially yeah. in a world where everyone can be someone on Instagram and somebody in private. Mm-hmm. But if you can choose to be, if you, you know, be consistent, you know, yeah, solid ground. Solid ground. And I, I mean, man, it's like I, I, I see images of what people act like on like on on instagram for example Mm. or on facebook and then i talk to them and i'm like that does like this does not match like there's Mm. there is this dissonance between who you are here and how you are right here like once Mm. we have an actual conversation right yeah and the same thing i think when i was you know especially when we were younger but it still plays out today is like when you're with your like when when i was with my friends when i was really young I, I would get into like some more trouble than if I was by myself, right? And it's like because I don't have my character is not formed mm. so that when I am in a situation that where my character is called upon, I don't have anything to fall back on. Mm. Um, and I think oftentimes we can show up in these moments when when we're pushed one way, um, we're not at the place that we can or have the opportunity to be in. Yeah, yeah. and the scary thing, right? Like. My wife gives me compliments, man. She's the best. But the best compliment that I've told her she's ever given me in our 11 years of being together, she said, Andrew, you're the same person in every room you go to. And when she said that, because she knows me in and out, yeah. bro, that was the biggest thing for That's me in huge. the whole world because for me it meant wow. that who she saw me in the dark. She knows the purest form of who I am. Um, and so to say that, right, like I think some of the dissonance that we've seen with pastors, even pastors and their kids and things like that, or parents and their kids, um, is that thing of like, yo, my public face does not match what I'm doing in private. And the people who know you the deepest will sniff that out in a minute. And our generation is good at sniffing out fake. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. when they sense that and they say, there's no consistency here, hmm. and, and generally our inconsistency comes, but I think, so there's a way to be honest with your with your weakness and be like, right. hey, I messed up, man, be, you know, own that kind of thing. Right. But I think that reality of like, if you show solid ground, if you choose to follow Jesus in the same way, um, and that's not a thing of just always putting your cards on the table kind of thing. No, it's just choosing to be who you think God has called you to be, being secure in who God has made you to be, and following through with mm. that every single day and where yeah. God has placed you. Yeah. Um, that leads to less collateral damage when you fall. You know what I mean? Because all of us fall, man. All of us are broken. But I think if we're mm. if we're the same and open and consistent, and we choose to be real with that. And that gives more people an understanding of how it looks like. Um, I'm not the paid pro Christian. You know what I mean? Like, 
my Christianity may be a slightly bit more on display because I'm in leadership and whatnot. Um, right. But it's who I am, day in and day out kind of thing. So hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, on solid ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super helpful. Yeah. Super helpful. Um, one of the next ones I want to touch on was the um, the law of addition. And so this kind of takes us from that place of, okay, we're in a leadership, or sorry, somebody has, is growing, they're, they understand kind of the tools and the, the, they understand the toolkit, right? And they start to establish some of the tools and skills mm. to now step in to that leadership position, right? Whether it's, yeah, so under you in some capacity, mm. right? Or they're moving out into some new space, um, into uncharted territory. Um, and so Maxwell says the best place for a leader isn't always the top position. It's the most, it isn't the most prominent or powerful place. It's the place where one can serve mm. best and add value to the other, to other people. And so what are some, I guess there for people who are in a place, this is for leaders who people that they're leading, they're in a place where they, they know that this person is quite skilled and mm. they're ready to step out to that next position. What, how do you get, or how do you help to move that person from, from A to, Hey, there's this, there's a spot here or there's this place that I, I know that you have on your heart and God mm. has put on, God, God has put on you. How do we, how do we get you into there? Yeah. So I think step one is recognize your own limitations, that you can't do it all. Like if you have this expectation in your head that every single aspect of the ministry of my job, of my team is going to be done by me, it'll be done, but it won't be as effective as possible. So kind of just first you yeah. set up with that reality yeah. until you get that in your head and humbly recognize like it can't all be you and it can't all be done your way you're never going to be fury to dish off leadership when the time comes Hmm. i heard this one rule that someone said uh it might have been john maxwell somebody but when someone can do the job 60 percent as well as you can hand it off yeah because god willing if they're passionate if they're giving all their focus to that one particular task it'll come out 120 percent better than you could have ever done it because now it's their baby they own it um Hmm. and so yeah i think there's that first i can't do it believing and that's the hard thing because it's saying like those first three months where i hand someone else so for example i always made the powerpoints for our youth ministry because i thought i was cool i was hip i can make it look great and then i had one student who showed prowess in in all that kind of stuff and he had time he had energy for it and vision for it more than i had at a certain point i realized i was just making powerpoints because the easiest ones the templates a pre-made one and boom pop it up because i had to go um but as i handed off again first three months there were some messed up PowerPoints. There were some jacked up spelling errors. There were some times where it was off and things like that. But by six months, this dude had animations in the PowerPoint, yeah. made it more beautiful. He had it for me a week in advance, ready and things like that. Yeah. Um, and it grew way beyond, and he became my trainer to train other people in doing that particular job. Yeah. Um, I think it's just being humble and saying, I can't do it. Hmm. Finding someone who shows a little bit, a glimmer of the talent that you think might be putting him in that perspective. Mm-hmm. And then having faith that this person with the time and energy they have can take it somewhere mm-hmm. that I can. Again, I checked in with them and we did some other stuff. Yeah. But instead of my energy being creating it, my energy began directing it to a place that I couldn't take it to yet. Yeah. So when it got to a point where I was like, dude, I like gifts. <laughs> I see them on Facebook. Can you make some for me up? This kid spent time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. things that I didn't have the time energy yeah. the kids saw beyond. And so I think leadership of addition, it means you're adding tools that are better i may have an old black and decker power drill that is great but if someone comes in with a makita or something beautiful that's good like i'm gonna hand it to them and let them do the job right. um and so it's recognizing i'm limited but that's okay um and adding those key components in right right, right. 
And so the yeah, I think that's that's super helpful. The the next one I want to shift into was the law of magnet. Uh, sorry, the law of the inner circle. Mm. And so, um, I think this goes back to what I had named indirect or direct lead, uh, leadership. And so, and what you had talked about is like a few or individuals who have you kind of seen grow mm. in these capacity. And so, um, setting aside or focusing on a group of people that you're going to intentionally work with and help to lead and get to this next place mm. rather than um, think in finance, right? You talk about di- diversifying and like mm. getting your hand in a lot of different places. And I think sometimes you, you start like that, right? Like you start by just kind of getting the seeds out there and you see what starts mm. to kind of come up a little bit. And then once you start to see that, those, those benefits and you start to see, okay, this actually might be a good, this, this person mm. is, is really showing a lot of, passion desire and skill in this area mm. maybe maybe i can i can really pour in and help help um mm. what is the yeah the law of the inner circle how do you think about um that within christian leadership in uncharted territory i think at first i had to overcome the hoop of feeling bad for that it almost feels like you're picking favorites yeah. when you're choosing an inner yeah. circle and you say like, yeah. oh man. And I had to realize like, no, nah, Jesus did it. He had yeah. the big crowd. He had the 12. He had the three. And then he had one, right? He had the 12. Then he had Peter, James, and John. And then within that, yeah. there seems to be a couple of favorites. You know what I mean? Or some that he worked more individually with. John says he was the beloved disciple. And I'm like, that's a pretty wild claim to make about yourself. But either way, right? Like you've got that and Jesus uh, localized it. Um, mm-hmm. And so the three got to see some things that the other 12 mm-hmm. didn't get to see. Yeah. Um, Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John were the guys who were there, and they got the seat up close. Mm, and you yeah. see their ministries kind of shift. You see Peter take on, I mean, Acts 2, Peter's preaching the, the doors off the place. And I think part of it was because he got some extra development that came from Jesus um, realizing that. So I think first, not feeling bad for walking in that model is okay. Like, you're, it's not... Um, yeah. I think there's ways... It's, I think it's different than picking favorites. I think there's that. And you have to be right. careful to walk that line. But yeah, man, I mean, when, when it's false to think you can disciple everybody. Yeah. Especially in a church world as a as pastor ministry, like it's false to think like, yeah, I could, I got a church of 2,000 people. That's easy. I could, you know what I mean? Like, or that your sermons yeah. on a Sunday, like that's arrogant. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if discipleship really is this walking along someone's side of the process, then you physically can't do it and acknowledge that, knowing that. But I think, right, it's pulling some people close and realizing hmm. these people have shown to be kindred spirits with me in a different way. Mm. We've got something that kind of just connects on a better level. I can speak into their life. They can speak into a mind a bit more clearly, a bit more effortlessly. Mm-hmm. And because of that, let's not run from that. Let's leverage that. And I say, let's yeah. use this. So I think in, in our ministry context, we've got a couple students who, I think as a result, God willing, of the close relationship, but more the calling of God on their life, They've felt called to do ministry and be pastors because we've walked closely alongside each other. Um, and so they'd go with me on calls. And I'd get calls to the hospital. Hey, what are you doing today? Summer break. Come take a ride. Let's go see what this is going. And um, mm-hmm. it's funny when I go back and I always kind of ask, hey, so what, what did it do for you? How did it do? You've seen ministry up close. Why would you want to do something as crazy as this? <laughs> and they say it's because we've had these close opportunity moments to see what it's really like. Um, yeah. I felt Jesus was there. And so, right. yeah, man, I yeah. mean, there is that reality of, coming to term with your limits and leaning into that instead of using it as like a, a weakness. I like, oh, yeah. put these people close to me that I can influence them in a different way. Um, and then being intentional with those you pick or those that you may yeah. want someone to be in your inner circle, they ain't supposed to be there. 
And you may want that for selfish reasons. Like, hey, if I bring them close, they're cool with this or that. Um, but it might not be the case. And mm. so just acknowledging, like, Lord, you brought me these. I'm sure there was times when Jesus looked at Peter and said, this is in my circle. <laughs> this right, bum is right. part of my inner circle. And yeah. just say, like, yeah. And I think that's that. I think that's great. And I, I mean, you see that Jesus sent out the seventy-two by two, mm. um, and so I think that there is this this proximity mm. principle almost. But then the other aspect is I think that there is this almost this resistance to always be relevant. Mm. Um, and so, just as you had mentioned, like you know, if you have this, you know, if you have Peter, it's like okay, you know, these these different whoever that might be, that's like. Uh, I'd probably want to like. There's someone who like Don't looks more Peter. qualified. That yeah, like wild. there's someone who's probably a little bit more qualified. But I'm here right now. These are the people I have, and yes. I can see God has a God has a desire and a plan for these people. Mm. Let's let's work with that. And I think that sometimes might come at the expense of being being the the the, the hip relevant person that um, that is deciding to double down. Mm. On things that might not look as trendy or cool, but mm. are reaping are reaping dividends. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so this is, I mean, this is one of the greatest temptations that we see. Mm. Uh, and this is Henry now, and it's the desire to be relevant. Mm. Um, and yeah, so Jesus sends out the twelve out in pairs in Mark six seven. Mm. Um, and so, anyways, and so the the next uh, mm. there's a lot of laws here, but we're gonna for the sake of time. Um, we're going to look at, I'd say, two more. The one, or maybe even one more, and then we'll open up to see if there's anything that you want to discuss here too, mm. um, is the the law of priorities. Mm. Um, and so I think about, one thing is about leaders' emotional health. Um, and so how that, when you're able to lead from a place of fullness and mm. from a place where you're, then you're able to actually give something. Because when you're in, when you're in a place of depletion, um, you can't you can't give anything out. You mm-hmm. don't have anything to give, and so the law of priorities. I think there, there's the, the Pareto principle. This 80 80 percent of the sorry twenty percent um, of like of your priorities are going to reap eighty percent. Or sorry, twenty percent of the, the the tasks are actually going to reap eighty percent of mm-hmm. the of the benefit. And so mm-hmm. focusing in on a few things, priorities, and I think one of those is this emotional mental health taking stock of your own hmm. spiritual life and how that then contributes to everything else that we've we've been talking about and there's this hmm. chart actually that I wanted to mention here um, on page 148 of the blue and the red zone hmm. and I thought that was oh, that yeah. was that was fantastic and so talk about the blue zone as a key place to lead from Hmm. whereas the red zone is not an ideal place to lead from, right? And so we Hmm. say, we look at the red zone, emotionally charged, personalized conflict, unresolved issues and self, disproportionate intensity, conflict is unsolvable, and the conflict is always about me. Hmm. Whereas when you shift to the blue, its values are in conflict. It's about issues. Hmm. Self-awareness is key. Proportionate intensity Conflict is solved. The conflict is always about the mission. Mm. And I thought that that was such a, a good internal radar, right, to understand um, where you can operate from. Mm. Yeah, it's, I think very, very few people think about what you give up when you enter into leadership. And one of the things you give up in order to lead well is your ability to be reactive, Mm-hmm. in a situation like how you react in a situation leads just as much as the proactive decisions you make yeah. um, 
So if you react emotionally charged, wild, you're communicating a whole lot about your values on one end. And because yeah. of that, you lose ability to influence. So, for example, we, 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 uh, <laughs> we were on a mission trip. We were trying to get back home. Our flight got delayed four hours. Then we get through yeah. customs. It was the craziest thing. And so what was supposed to be a four-hour trip home turned into a 12-hour trip home. And by hour 11 and 12, my leaders are snapping at each other. My students are snapping at each other. And I was exhausted. I mean, I was dead tired. Everything within me was ready to snap. Yeah. But I realized that's not going to. Tomorrow, when we come back to church or whatever, or a week from now, when we sit back in the youth hall, they're not going to remember what I said necessarily. They're going to remember how I behaved in that moment. And when everything else was snapping out, Pastor Andrew stayed calm and cool and kept us together as a team and things like that. And so yeah. I think realizing, like, I gave up my right. As much as I deserved to be angry, I was tired, I was upset, yeah. it was a long thing. Yeah. I gave that up because I wanted to leave in that moment. Yeah. Um, hmm. And so coming to grips with that reality, like, hey, that's, that's not the beautiful part of leadership. That's not the part that... You get to be on stage and cool and things like that, but that's what gets you influence in the long term. Yeah. It's choosing to stay that course. And so, yeah, I think making that a priority of learning how to check your own temperature, of learning to recognize your warning signs in advance that, hey, I'm not in a good space, to make any decisions right now, to react in a certain way. And so because of that, let's make intentional decisions to do this on a different day. I mm -hmm. knew if someone came at me with something on my day off on a Thursday, I was already predisposed to shoot it down because yeah. it was, hey, you're impeding on my time. Yeah. And this is my Sabbath and things like that. Yeah. And I was already upset because of that. And so I said, hey, understand, we're gonna talk about this tomorrow kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so yes, yeah, knowing those things, within, making those safeguards within yourself, prioritizing your ability to lead through your emotional stability and your emotional health. Mm -hmm. um, there's another book out there, The Emotionally Healthy Leader, Peace Gazero, if you're interested in more content. Mm -hmm. um, that's a good book to take a look at. Mm -hmm. But yeah, mm -hmm. leading from that place, prioritizing that, yeah. better than leading from a stage showy, hey man, I can make a cool thing and this and that, but like it's just two different spots. Right, right, right. Um, and I guess, yeah, so th there's a few kind of, I guess one final question, and then I want to hear anything else that we haven't discussed that you think was important from this, from uh, Canoeing the Mountains. But um, what are some of the biggest leadership gaps you think that we're missing right now? Um, and, or even, and, kind of, and you can look at your experience of, hey, five years ago, this is something that like maybe I missed or, our, or like mm. our culture is missing that is so important. That's big. Um, I think missional thinking, training your mind to think missionally in any situation. Um, okay. yeah. And to elaborate on, it kind of goes with adaptive leadership, but that idea of learning how to engage your Christian life as mission. Um, maybe, maybe a better way to put it is reclaiming the sentness that God has given us. Like, hey... Hmm. Um, a big part of what I'm called to do is be mission, be on mission. And so like, if I've got to train that way, right? Like you don't train for a marathon the same way you train for basketball or something, right? It's two different skill sets. And so beginning to put some of that skill set in. And so thinking, how do I look at my culture, myself around me? How do I translate the gospel in such a way that it makes sense to people who come from a different background? Not right. language wise, but like me as a youth pastor, how do I translate the concepts of God and the gospel to millennials who are, I mean, to uh, Gen Z's who are digital natives who grew up with things. How do I take the message oh. and put it in terms that they can hear it? So it's beginning to yeah. transform your thinking to, mm -hmm. to always say, hey, it's about getting it out. It's about making it, um, again, we're gonna edify the saints and do that kind of stuff still, but always having that in the back of my mind. How do I adapt, improvise, and yeah. these kind of things? Yeah. I think that's a, a big component of it. Um, 
And then another component that I had to learn on the fly is just how do I uh, how do I be alongside others? I learned about theology. I learned how to interpret the scripture well. I learned how to counsel people well. Um, but how do I exist and dwell with my neighbors in my neighborhood? And how do I be a presence of God in a place uh, where it doesn't seem to do that? How do I begin putting the internal things inside of me? That I think that's another piece. We mm-hmm. talk about all the external things. You're going to preach. You're going to do this. You're going to talk to your friends about Jesus. You're going to go into your workplace. You're going to be generous. But we fail to talk about the internal stuff that we really kind of going back to that yeah. that solid foundation like how do I prep right. someone to have that in my own life you know right. um, so those are those two places right. the adaptive missional component getting back on mission and describing what that looks like for yourself and your community and then B how do we put the internal components that make any of that other stuff possible um, and reshape and revalue that so that it comes up on top right. like before we talk about matching t-shirts and doing cool stuff how do we talk about the internal guts of who we are and letting that speak um, cool yeah awesome 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 mm. Um, the, the, those are the biggest, I think, points that I really want to double down on, and mm. uh, I would encourage listeners and viewers to to read these books um, and, and definitely send in any any more information to us mm. of how this has been helpful. Maybe some other resources that have been helpful for you on leadership, um, and you can do that by sending an email to t brondike t b r o n d y k at theguyslikeus.com. Um, but just to wrap up here. Andrew, is there any other points uh, from from these books that you think would be would be helpful for us um, to kind of wrap our minds around? I think there's this one line that comes out of page seventy five. While management acts within the culture, leadership creates culture. Creating a culture, a healthy culture, with the capacity to experiment, innovate, take risks, and adapt is one of the primary preparatory tasks of a leader. Um, my prayer is that we would all yeah. be willing to experiment a bit, whether it's in your spiritual life and you realize you've been spiritually quiet or spiritually feeling like you're decaying a bit. Would you take the risk and try and experiment and do something different? Would you implement that kind of thing into your life? If you feel like you're your ministry at your job at your family is kind of silent right now try and yeah. do something different like just i, I would say the, make it a point to jump out and experiment and i can't tell you i can't give you a roadmap for how it's going to look like in your life at your job at your family i can't do that i'm not there i don't know yeah. what it is yeah. but i can tell you try and get out and start swimming and god is going to take you where you got to go yeah. um and let that be a part of your DNA and framework and watch the things that God will take you to. If you if you say, God, I'll take one more step out into uncharted territory, trusting that you're going to lead me, yeah. imagine the journey you'll go through 10 years from now. Just one step at a time, yeah. day by day, and seeing the places God will take you. And so, yeah. yeah, I would say make that a part of your DNA. Experiment, adventure, explore a little bit and begin yeah. to see God do some pretty cool things. All right. Well, thank you. Um, thank you, Andrew. And thank you for, for tuning into this episode today. Um, I know it's been a pleasure, a privilege and an honor um, being able to just discuss leadership and um, all that it encompasses. And again, this is a this is an introduction. This is a sample. And so we encourage mm-hmm. you to, con- to continue to step out in faith in whatever sphere, um, whatever, it, whatever is most needed for you right now. Mm-hmm. Again, and leadership starts with yourself. Um, Mm. and then we can think about all the different places, whether it's in your family, whether it's at your work, um, whether it's in your church and, um, in ways that you can, you can be, be a light, um, and and be, be a strong and good leader. Um, so thank you for, 
for, for tuning in, and we'll see you soon.